0: Nerd shit, nerd shit, so about the nerd shit. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit.
1: Nerd Shit.
0: I'm Sam Wilson, joining me as always,
1: Zack Schneider
0: and Troy Hinsley. Listen to those lovely, lovely voices. Oh. Today, we're going to be reviewing Marvel's What If, starring Will Wheaton. That's not true. He's not in it. Uh, Will Wheaton, if you're listening to this podcast, we love you. Please, please come on. Uh, yes, we, we you're love great. Him. You're yes. so good. We can <laughs> follow talk Follow him about on social games. media. Oh, no, yeah. seriously, follow him on social media. He is like one of uh-huh. the best
1: follows. Oh, he yeah. really he is. is. Um, him and Zelda Williams. Love following him. God
2: yes oh i need to follow yes. her yeah
0: williams. i i love zoda williams yeah she was great she was great uh on uh, legend of Korra, she had a great voice on there oh, but yeah, yeah. yeah she was amazing i do love zoda williams uh did you guys see that thing that uh jamie costa did a video where he was playing uh, robin williams in kind of a test footage uh type thing
1: i've heard of it i haven't seen it i think i've seen some of jamie costa's earlier impressions
0: i knew who jamie costa mm. was Uh, From his vocal impression of Robin Williams, I didn't realize how much he resembles a young Robin Williams Mm -hmm. and the test. It's so fucking good. I'm actually one of the people I'm like, okay, go ahead and make this the Robin Williams movie (laughs) with Jamie Costa. He's the guy. He's a great actor. Mm -hmm. He does a perfect impression and he looks more like Robin Williams than I even realized because I mainly knew him from just hearing his Mm. his voice. That
2: video was released so that they can get picked up by a uh, production company. 100%.
0: That's yeah, why that's like, I, I, I think they yeah. were pretty transparent about it. It's like test footage. This is meant to be like, yeah. hey, give us funding so that we can actually make a movie like this. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's, I'm, that's really I'm what it was. I'm friends with a lot
2: of the crew that's working on that and the producers. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to keep sharing. I'll share it on Nerd shit so that everybody can see it. It's really good.
0: And it's really, I think really, really good. It's needed.
2: Yeah. I think it's needed.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, Robin Williams is such an amazing individual. Let's talk about the uh, Obi Wan Kenobi uh, TV series that's coming out on Disney Plus. Just finished filming. And it's going to be set 10 years after the rise of the Empire. So 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. So I know A New Hope is about 19 years after Revenge of the Sith. Mm. So it's, it's, it's just about a little over halfway in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Mm. I think given Ewan McGregor's age now, I think that that makes sense. Yeah. So are, are, are we excited for this show? And what, what what do we think of this? I know we don't have a lot of plot details.
1: So I'm I'm a sucker for Ewan McGregor's uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. The prequels are a mixed bag. I have very mixed opinions about them. One thing that is not mixed on them at all is that I've always loved his performance as the character. And I think if they have a story, if they know what they want to do with that story, then I am 100% on board. So...
2: So, I am so down for this. It's looking really good. Is it okay if I do a little predicting and and wishing out loud?
1: Please do. Yes,
0: go ahead.
2: One of my favorite newer books that have been written other than the Aftermath trilogy was uh, Star Wars Lords of the Sith. This is a book that's done from Vader and Palpatine's point of view, and you really get to get into those characters' mindsets, and it's beautifully written by Paul S. Kemp. This happens about eight years after the Empire has risen. Obi-Wan Kenobi happens about ten years after that, In the eight years, Lords of the Sith, we start to see the rise of the Inquisitors, and in Rebels, we saw the Inquisitors in pretty much, in their full-fledged, go out and get them. So, Obi-Wan Kenobi will be leaving Tatooine, we know that. Now, I'm predicting that Leia is going to be kidnapped by an Inquisitor, because she is Force-sensitive, and I feel like Obi-Wan's going to be hired by Bail Organa to go out and get Leia and save her. And I'm I'm thinking this because she talks about because she has she's has this fondness for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And this is just speculation, but I'm I'm looking at things and I'm looking at kind of leaks that have leaked out and I'm hoping that it's going to be connected to the inquisitors, Princess Leia, and Apparently, Vader and Obi-Wan are supposed to have a rematch because Kathleen Kennedy leaked that... We need to get ready for the duel of the century.
0: She, she, she could be trolling us. It's gonna be another like Yoda fighting off R two with a stick, you know. <laughs> she could be. She
1: could be. You're, you're
2: absolutely right.
1: It is. But it is I totally hoping... going to be Obi wan versus a Bantha that he rented. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: am hoping that the Inquisitor comes in and obi-wan is of course too much for the inquisitor to handle and they bring in the big dog and by big dog i mean that big old bitch vader comes in and we see a rematch it's owed to us
0: i actually don't think you're crazy for for saying that Mm -hmm. troy because i initially thought look that i got the impression that the last time obi-wan and vader saw each other was on mustafar however There are a couple of things in canon, even in the OT, that actually support what you're saying, Troy. Yeah. There's a line that Vader has in Return of the Jedi that when Luke is trying to redeem Vader, and Vader says, Obi-Wan once thought as you do. Yes, because Obi-Wan is trying to turn him. If we just take it from Revenge of the Sith, when? When did (laughs) Obi-Wan once think that? Like, you know. Exactly. Exactly. That's absolutely what I was thinking. Yeah, there's things like that, you know, like yes, Vader on the Death Star says a presence I haven't felt since, but he never finishes
1: this. The he sentence. trails off. That
0: could mean that could mean Mustafar, or it could mean nine years ago. It could yeah. be, you yeah. know,
1: like I do agree. Like there's, it is actually open. It's like, they, yeah, they two could could totally meet again. Probably will. It would honestly be interesting to see them. Like I'm interested for the duel. I'm also just interested for the confrontation. I want to see them have that talk. Have Obi-Wan having regretted where he left Anakin all those years ago. And Anakin proving basically that he is actually too far gone at this point. Or at least that he personally, Obi-Wan, would not be able to turn him back.
2: At this point, he still believes that Obi-Wan turned on him he still believes the Mm -hmm, Jedi are going uh, Mm to try to take over the empire. So he's still in denial until he finds Luke.
0: There's one line that I really hope comes from Vader in this movie. I still hate you. (laughs) Give my son his, my lightsaber (laughs) when he's old enough. (laughs) Well,
2: it's got to, that way they can close that cannon. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: exactly. But to be honest, even if Vader knew that Luke was on Tatooine, he wouldn't have went. And the reason why he wouldn't have went is because he would have kept Luke a secret from Palpatine. Because when he reported it to Palpatine, every time Palpatine said, we have to kill my little grandson, Vader was like, no, no, he'll make a good apprentice. He'll make a good apprentice. Vader would not have killed his own son no matter what. So I think he would have avoided tattooing.
0: Vader actually doesn't find out about Luke until after the first Death Star is destroyed because that's Mm -hmm. actually covered in the comics.
2: It is. With him and Boba Fett, he sends Boba Fett out to figure out, is this actually a Skywalker? You know, is it just some girl in the desert calling herself Skywalker? Or is that my son? Sorry. Actually,
1: I don't even think you're that far off on the Leia thing. Like, it's hard to say whether or not that's actually the case. I had kind of gotten the impression from the movie that Leia, the main reason that she idolized him is because Bale basically could not stop talking about how great he was. But it's entirely possible that she might have met him at least once. And that's the reason why she's like so excited when she hears, what, Obi-Wan's here? It's like... Yeah, I've seen what Obi-Wan can do. Uh, like, this chucklehead, his dog, and this random farmer yes. that, you know, came to pick me up. These idiots, you know, yes. I don't I don't trust them at all. But if Obi-Wan's here, we're great.
0: Leia was expecting, like, a rebel strike team. And, like, <laughs> yes. she just got these she randoms, was. you know. <laughs> She's was. random space truckers. Yeah, basically. Exactly. <laughs>
2: Which yeah, you know, she was like, oh. "Who the fuck are you? <laughs> aren't you a Who little, aren't Slip you a little short sh- to be a to be a uh, team to pr- to pick me up? Huh? There's needs to be more of you." You
1: the other credence behind that is that unless there's something that they introduce in the series, Leia is actually the only reason I can think of why Obi-Wan would leave Tatooine if she was in immediate danger, yes. because that is what he made his life mission. That's exactly is to what protect I was thinking. The two of them. And if he's like reasonably certain, like, oh no, Tatooine's got sand everywhere. Vader's not gonna come here immediately.
2: It's gotta be Leia. That's the only reason why he would leave. And that's the reason why I thought maybe one of the Inquisitors got Leia, because Leia was Force-sensitive, and she did not hide it. Even when she was, when she would go out, and they showed this in in Rebels, I think. It was in one of the animated series that she shows up in. I think it was Rebels. It was Rebels, She uses the Force openly a few times there, and that tells me that that wasn't the first time she did that. That tells me that Leia's Mm -hmm. been using the Force since she was very young, because she's strong in it. But she just doesn't keep words for it. And Leia is the only reason why Obi-Wan would leave. Because Leia and Luke were the prime directive for him.
1: I can buy that. It actually makes me th- wish of the O.T. It's like, you know what? If Obi-Wan had actually had a chance to meet adult Leia, he definitely would have like trying to train her instead. It's like, oh yeah, no yes. shit, she, she knows what she's about. <laughs> oh,
0: for sure.
2: There's a fan fiction where uh, mm. Obi-Wan trains her instead of Luke. And she's stronger, mm-hmm. and I love that fan fiction. I'm not one for fan fiction, but I love that
0: one. In conclusion, Star Trek is better. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love them most. I love I me too. some Dead. Picard yeah. and some Kirk and some Janeway and some Cisco, mm-hmm. and I love Archer... And I'll just keep naming names until. (laughs) Stargate. I like Bubba Gump. (laughs) I
0: do love Stargate. I do love Stargate. I love it.
2: (laughs) I have just started watching what I haven't seen of Stargate, so. I'm enjoying Excellent. it so far. Oh, I it's actually, mm-hmm. I
0: actually want to do that. There's so many things I want to do on this podcast, and there's mm-hmm. so much of Stargate. But I, I want to talk. I want to do Stargate on this podcast at some point because I'm, 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 I'm like a die, I'm a die-hard Stargate SG One fan. I, I, yeah. I, own every season of that show on DVD. It's. Fun. I really like Atlantis. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a really fun. That's it's a really fun show the entire yes, way it's through. You. you know.
1: I was like literally just earlier today thinking about the uh, time loop episode with uh, oh, Tealcat so O'Neill yes. golfing. It's like, all right, so uh, how far was that shot? Uh, that was roughly 70 million light years. Oh, it's gotta be a record, right?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Just not knocking golf balls into the event horizon. It's so perfect.
1: All right. Well, let's go ahead and slide
0: into Marvel's. What if full spoilers start here for what if we're basically going to go episode by episode and sort of just talk about our thoughts on each one. Uh, I think for this one, we're still going to keep the score for the end because it's yeah. they are anthology episodes, but they do kind of, it still uh, ends it, up being comes a cohesive series. So yeah. I think we'll just give one score for the overall show. Uh, but what did we think of uh, what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger?
1: I liked it about the same as I liked Captain America the First Avenger uh, because it is the exact same plot. But I do like, I actually like it a little bit better than that movie. It's fun. Like the point of it is to give a small starting off point saying here is one easily identifiable change. And this tells you how that one change can branch into so many different areas. Yeah, like Haley Atwell's performance as Captain Carter. It's interesting because Peggy Carter in the main continuity is she has a lot of limits, which she deals with immensely well. Um, Because she is intelligent and driven and has a very strong force of personality. When she gets the super soldier serum, every part of her is as strong as her personality. And so she's able to cut loose and enjoy herself in a lot of ways that her main storyline version wasn't. So yeah, it's just really fun watching her enjoy that. Um, I also really liked the relationship with Steve as well. I like that she was still in deeply in love with Steve and deeply admired him. Yeah, he's a little shrimp, but that's not what's great about Steve. He is just a really, just really together guy.
2: Okay. First of all, even in that episode, they couldn't give me a dead Steve Rogers. I'm Aww. just saying. <laughs> that's all I want is a dead Steve Rogers.
0: God. Damn it! (laughs) He got it in the zombies episode.
1: He 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 dies in the zombies. I
0: know. That one was good.
2: (laughs) Okay, so... I absolutely love the Carter show. I was pissed off Mm -hmm. at the love triangle thing that they were doing in the the Carter Mm -hmm. episode. It fucking pissed me off. Peggy Carter deserved a lot more than that. A lot more... Than them fucking up. And they wasted a lot of time in that first season. They wasted a lot Mm. of fucking time on bullshit. But this kind of made up for it. Oh my god, it was so good. To get to see her become that Amazon goddess. And Mm. I love that they left the sexism in. You saw the loops that she had to go through. And I love that... I loved everything about this episode. Mm. It was my favorite because... Peggy Carter is one of my favorite characters, and she always will be, and I'm upset that we don't get to see what she went through with The Greatest Minds and with her adventures. But mm-hmm. no, they want to focus on fucking Steve Rogers, the weakest character of them all.
1: Well, on this episode, certainly. i just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just...
2: uh, he was the weakest. But what they did with this episode, it was very fascinating, and I want to see more of... Captain Carter. It was pretty cool mm-hmm. to see the the British flag on the mm-hmm. on the shield, and then on her suit. It was pretty cool.
0: This is gonna be I mean, one of those uh times Uh-oh. on the podcast where, oh, yeah, Troy and I, I think we're gonna have the the opposite opinion. I I say <laughs> I actually I liked this episode fine. It was actually my least favorite, probably, mm-hmm. out, out of the bunch. And and the reason it was, it's actually from w- what you were saying, Zach, that it's just too much the same story as Captain America First Avenger. I just felt with this one, there was this feeling of, like, what was really the point of this? Like, the whole thing is, like, what if something in the universe were different, which causes something completely different to happen, which is all, pretty much all the other episodes are that are radically different timeline divergences. This is like, what if uh, Peggy became Captain Britain... And the exact same events still happen. And even like when we get to the last episode, what if the watcher broke his oath? We find out that her life still continues on the exact same trajectory anyway. She goes on the same fucking mission that he went on at the beginning of the, of Winter Soldier. It's like, it's it's just, it's too much the same. Like, I I feel like Peggy is her own character. And I almost feel like it's a little bit of a disservice mm-hmm. to her to have her story play so much beat for beat, the way Steve Rogers' story happened, but I still enjoyed the episode. I, I like see seeing the fact that this is somebody who already was very capable physically, mm-hmm. had had great training. Who gets suit Like, because she, she's she's better at being a superhero than Steve really was at the beginning, because she mm-hmm. already has, she already was strong, she already had training. And it's just, everything got amplified to 11, which is why she (laughs) is able to just single-handedly take out these squads and squads of Hydra Nazis. So, I enjoyed the episode. I thought it was a little silly, uh, Mm -hmm. Steve becoming Hydra Stomper. Just the idea of Howard Stark creating Iron Man in the 40s. (laughs) was like, okay, but you know what? with with these what like there's a lot of kind of goofy things in in the what if stories Mm -hmm. which i I eventually came to accept that but that plot element wasn't necessarily my favorite either but i still thought that it it was a very decent episode and i thought that it was a good uh beginning to the show it just Mm -hmm. it it it, it was still overall my least favorite for the for the reasons i stated but i still thought it was enjoyable
2: the episodes are almost my favorite in order
0: so you like them less as they go along or you like them more as they go along I think the
2: first five episodes, I really liked them. And then the last okay. four episodes, I think, I, yeah, they were okay for me.
0: That's interesting, because I, I feel like I feel like we might even still be on, on more opposite <laughs> trajectories, actually. But but yeah, what did we think of uh, What If T'Challa Became Star-Lord? I love that one.
1: I, I have mixed thoughts on this one. Um, on the one hand, I get they do want to point out, it's like, yeah, T'Challa's really cool. On the other hand, by having T'Challa be so much more drastically successful as Star-Lord, it kind of feels like the entire thing is just like, Peter Quill sucks.
0: (laughs) And you even get that at the very end of the episode, and Peter Quill sucks even more. (laughs)
1: Yes. It's like, yes, if T'Challa was Star-Lord, everyone and everything would objectively be better. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> you know, his relationship yeah. with Yandu, yeah. he would he would yeah. actually <laughs> make Yandu a better person. I loved it. I was like, "This is fucking awesome." I mean, granted all of this is fan fiction.: It is it? Is. Uh, you know yeah. uh, mm-hmm. anybody can come up with a better story after seeing these. Mm-hmm. They can. Because Mm. it's the multiverse. For one, you know, this is one that Mm. I did not skip the intro because I fucking love Jeffrey Wright. Mm. So I have to say that. Him as the Watcher was fucking genius. And Mm -hmm. I love Jeffrey Wright. I would just sit there and listen... I knew what he was going to say, but I didn't give a fuck. I wanted to listen to his intro because
0: mm-hmm.
2: I love his voice.
0: Oh, I never skipped nice. it. I, yeah. I loved how much the intro was like the intro to like the Twilight Zone. That's, yes. that's yes. what I thought every time. <laughs> that's what I thought every time, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's kind of what the series is. It's Marvel's Twilight but Zone. But I <laughs>
2: loved T'Challa as, as Star-Lord. I thought mm-hmm. that it was really cool, and mm-hmm. we got to see what the Collector could do, what the Collector is capable of. And Mm -hmm. it was just so much fun. And my personal favorite, I fucking love Howard the Duck. Everybody knows it. I got no problem with Howard the Duck dating a woman. I don't care about those people that are are grossed out by that. Suck it. The 80s Howard the Duck was one of the greatest movies ever made. I said it. I said it. You may not trust my opinion from now on, but I said it, damn it. (laughs) And I loved having a few seconds with Howard the Duck. Until he got to oh, the yeah. bar and he was like, hey, it's happy hour. Fuck this shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My things on this episode were my absolute favorite bits. Um, I loved, I actually loved him. I loved uh, T'Challa as Star-Lord. He, that was just fun. I also loved, uh, ah, what's, what's that character's name? The guy who was in the first Guards of the Galaxy, movie, yeah, how he's just like fanboying over Star Lord. It's like, oh my yes. God,
0: Star Lord! That was fucking I know, awesome. I, that's the, that's the I, I just say Jaimin Hansu. Uh, yeah, Hansu's J- J-
1: but... character. I don't remember the name of the character, but
0: I thought that was a little weird. I'm not I'm not going to lie like I enjoyed it but like it just felt so contrary to it's like you see him in Captain Marvel and the whole point of his character is that he's serious all the time like he makes a point (laughs) of saying that and it's like it is so goofy in this episode which is I just had a hard time really reconciling that it's like I enjoyed it but I almost wish they hadn't done that with Mm -hmm. that character if that makes sense it's like I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> that was kind of how I felt about it, but it was it was still fun to see him kind of be against type. Yeah,
2: I wanted to see his action figure collection because I know he had T'Challa, Star Lord action figures.
1: Oh, yeah, almost certainly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also loved uh, Femme Fatale. Uh, Nebula was a really interesting choice. like that was, that yes. was really Nebula fun.
0: was a standout of the episode for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love her as the Femme Fatale. I love her as this kind of, you know, this old flame of T'Challa. <laughs> it's like, it was really interesting, but yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. And of course, Collector as being uh, this this is the version of Collector who lifts. Uh, <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, was, was super Got fun. Uh, I also liked the little bit of just that we got for his uh, assistant.
0: Yeah, his slave, yeah. His
1: his slave, yeah. Um, Who (laughs) finally got her freedom. um, In this universe, at least. Um, And I will say, the only thing I have to comment on Howard the Duck is uh, Jack Harkness rule. If they can talk, if they're an adult of their species, and if they provide consent, you know, know, whatever, it's fine. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Commander (laughs) Shepard. That is also the shepherd rule, yes.
0: I I enjoyed the episode overall. It wasn't one of my favorites, but I thought it was a great send off to Chadwick Boseman. I thought that that tribute at the end was was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was so I was so glad that we got so much of him in the like I wasn't expecting to get so mm. much of him just throughout this whole anthology actually, but we got a lot. We got a lot of uh, T'Challa. Mm-hmm. We got a lot, of, you know, we different did. versions of T'Challa over the course of these episodes, and it was it was just great seeing how much more. Because like I didn't think we were going to get any more of him uh, playing this character, and it, it, this was just this great like this 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 extra little helping of like you know here's here's like one more time we get to experience him playing this character. Yeah, and I thought that that was beautiful, mm-hmm. and that was my favorite thing about this episode. I thought whole thing about you know having convinced Thanos to not be evil just from like a conversation <laughs> that that was a little far fetched to me yeah. like. <laughs>
2: I love the rolling joke, how everybody that he was speaking to at the beginning of a scene was like, well, that kind of sounds like genocide.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's
0: efficient.
1: (laughs) You're not not really getting it. It's like, uh... oh.
0: It was fun. fun. I enjoyed it. it. And I I really liked, uh, you know, I I love that they got Josh Brolin. I I loved Mm -hmm. one, just know for the whole series, I loved how many of the actors, they didn't get everybody back. I loved Mm -hmm. how many of the actors they did get back. And yeah. getting to see Josh Brolin play like a, a sort of good version of Thanos, you know, a more mm-hmm. uh, uh, anti-hero version of Thanos, I thought was really interesting and really fun. It's yeah. just just the yeah. just the rationale of oh yeah, I had a conversation with T'Challa one time that made me change my <laughs> entire life's mission. Just again it was ridiculous but it's it was I mean, yeah. it's fine. Yeah, i loved like, it so yeah it, it wasn't my fa- i i have notes when it comes to this episode mm-hmm. but i i do think that it was still an entertaining episode and i i just liked getting one last ride with with mm-hmm. chadwick boseman as well like again, i know he's in other yes. episodes but to see one with him as the pr- protagonist character as the main character great, yes so.
2: it was lovely
0: so what if the world lost its mightiest heroes? Hank Pym is the villain. What?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it would I actually
0: really like this one. Yeah. Me too. Me too.
1: They finally acknowledged Incredible Hulk, the movie. It's like, yep, no those that... I okay. I gotta say,
0: <laughs> I, I gotta mention that. I was it was so much fun to me to see scenes from The Incredible Hulk but with Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner, because it's like, to me, it, it's it's like the what if of what if The Incredible Hulk was the exact movie we saw, but with Mark Ruffalo instead of Ed Norton. It's like, I kind of want to see that shot-for-shot shot remake with just Mark Ruffalo, but again, I, I, I honestly, I do really like The Incredible Hulk, but like it, it was just fun to see that movie mm. acknowledged, but with the MCU that we know now. I like
2: seeing Loki go through... That loss of of Thor.
0: That was interesting. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I agree. I really enjoyed that point of
2: this, but I like the whole aspect of this episode because it was very different and it felt a little more than fan fiction, more so than the other episodes. The other episodes felt like the actors were sitting around the table and were like, hey, what would your character do if this was, and then the actor would talk Mm -hmm. about their character because the actors would know, and then someone was writing them down. But this one felt like they actually did an alternative comic book. And of course, most people came back to play their roles, Clark Gregg, all of them. And it was, I was really impressed with the quality of the writing for this episode.
0: I agree.
1: No, I, I,
0: I love the fact that Nick Fury was kind of the focal point of view character. I thought that that was, I thought that was really smart of them to do that. And, mm-hmm. uh... Yeah, it was it was a really interesting, dark yet fun episode. You know, like, yeah. dark in the sense that we're seeing oh, yeah. all of our favorite characters get killed, uh, get killed fairly man. unceremoniously. You know, not die heroic oh, deaths whatsoever. Yeah. It also does have this beat of optimism at the end that even when uh, uh, all of our main Avengers get killed off, like there's still hope. You know, that mm-hmm. we still still can heroes. Revive. Yeah, there are still heroes left, you know, Nick Fury himself is a hero, we we can still revive uh, Steve Rogers, we still have Carol Danvers who comes back, so, like, there's, mm-hmm. there's still, it's gonna be a much smaller team having to fight Loki <laughs> in this universe.
1: They can do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One thing I liked about that is that this is also Loki at a very interesting part of his life, because at that time of his life, he had some very complicated feelings about his family, and... I like how that showed through in his fight with Hank. It's like, okay, this is yeah. this is clearly a Loki who had some unresolved feelings with his brother. Uh, but he's, he, he finds also that he does actually genuinely miss Thor. And he does yes. genuinely feel hurt by that. Even if, again, he's also still kind of despotic and evil at the moment.
0: And it's just so fun seeing Hank pym as the like he he that character just makes a good villain like even michael though i do douglas really is. like him yeah mm-hmm. no yeah 100 yeah. <laughs> like you know because like, i love hank pym in the ant-man movies you know mm-hmm. like i i know hank pym in the comics has some problems but hank pym in the movies is a really fun likable character yeah and i love the way michael douglas plays him but like the way he makes that that switch like he just makes such a good bad guy in this episode mm-hmm. he really does and also saying that essentially ant-man is the character that could kill all the avengers if he wants yes. to which is, <laughs> yes. is interesting
1: it's it's nice that scott's a great guy because uh... <laughs> exactly, exactly because he's a
2: little worse than batman <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> batman has a plan to kill everybody including batman so, yep. yeah, Hank Pym is like, ooh, don't fuck with him.
0: <laughs> well, probably the, the darkest episode of the whole show was what if Dr. Strange lost his heart instead of his hands. Oh, my uh, God. Such a... I do this, love this one. This episode, it's it was beautiful. It's absolute, just a gut-wrenching episode. You know, most of mm-hmm. these are like, oh, yeah, it's fun. It's lighthearted. It's funny. This one was just, oh, this was, yeah, this mm-hmm. this was really dark and really dramatic and it's a tragedy in the end you know like an entire universe is lost because of one man's mistake i just love that they show like a how like just the incredible forces that uh dr strange is is commanding how how high the stakes are you know when Mm, when when dr strange is doing everything and how the sorcerer supreme has to be responsible with his power because Mm -hmm. if he's not this is this is what can happen and i love seeing the two doctor Stranges fight each other i thought that was so interesting Mm -hmm. you know i i would say the good strange and the bad strange although there was a bit of redemption for the bad strange in the finale which we'll get to but uh but yeah there's even a bit of
1: Not redemption, exactly, but at the end of this, he's as much a victim of this as anyone else. You know, this is... One thing that I found throughout the episode that was heartbreaking was when he kept trying to save her life. There came a point when he was just so clearly broken, when he was trying it even though he knew it wasn't going to work this time either. Oh my god. Before he goes off and starts eating Eldritch Abominations for breakfast. (laughs) I also liked seeing at the end how the human face is pretty much a Veneer at that point. He is actually a demonic entity of some incredible power at that point, but not power enough to undo one moment, because otherwise he would never have gotten there.
2: Doctor Strange is one of my favorite Marvel characters. The movie is one of my favorite Marvel movies. It's right up there with any other. It's just right there at the top because of the in-depth research they did for magic. Even in the comic books, the magic is based off of the physics of what magicians um study for. And and you you study to be a magician, you study to be a wizard for seven years. That's that's a thing that J. K. Rowling studied and she was like oh okay i see that
0: you're a wizard harry
2: (laughs) so it's (laughs) uh, to be a proper magician it takes about seven years of learning almost a whole decade almost as long as it takes to become a doctor so seeing the way that they did the doctor strange movie just made me fall in love with everything Dr. Strange, everything Dr. Strange, and I loved his attitude. The one thing about Dr. Strange that I liked is the same thing that I liked about uh, Shang-Chi. He accepted his role. He accepted what he had to do. In both of these instances, he pursued magic for selfish reasons. Now, there are some rules that just can't be broken. Death is death. And they followed that in this. And it was just gut-wrenching to watch this. I will probably never watch this episode again because of how hard it is to watch. It is really well done. The quality in this episode is just Mm -hmm. wow. I understand why they put it in the middle because it'll keep you coming back. I love what they did with the two Doctor Stranges. And I love... The gut wrenching attempts to save to save Palmer's life so many times. Captain Carter is still my favorite episode, but this one it just it grabs you and it doesn't let go. It still hasn't let go.
1: Yeah, this was this was a really beautiful episode.
0: I think it might be my favorite. It's close between this and one other, which I'll, which I'll get to, but mm-hmm. this is definitely one of my top two favorites. Like it was just so well done. It was it was the most emotionally affecting. Mm-hmm. Out, of, out of all of them for me i liked the way they ended it like there was this thing where i had had like an idea in the middle of watching it of how the episode could end which mm. all, all, all i also think would have been a good ending which is that he saves um rachel mcadams um what's her name palmer yeah i'm not sure what her first name was but like a version where he saves her but then instead of, like, you know, like, the universe like, shrinking into a bubble or something like that, like, it, it just, all right, and the timeline just continues, and Dormammu comes and kills everybody, but then they, like, maybe have this moment where mm. they're, like, watching the sky as it's burning and having this moment of, like, what's going on? It's like... I don't know, but it's beautiful that they just die. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, like, it's like oh, that would have been a nice way. That would have been a nice kind of just romantic way to end the, the episode while still also ending the universe. But no, just ending it. No, they really just ended it on a complete... It wasn't even a bittersweet at all. It was just... A completely tragic
1: ending. You lost everyone and everything, and will be yeah. alone forever. And yeah, you will be it's alone like, forever like, like now. with
0: with the credits rolling at the end. It's like, oh wow, that was just the ending. <laughs> wow. Okay. <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Maybe <laughs> but that's great.
0: Weeks. That like with these what if episodes, like they really it was it was a ballsy uh is ballsy episode, you know, and, and mm-hmm. like it's like I think it the was. the M O of the M C U has always been fun like they've had Mm -hmm. dark things happen but it's still ultimately fun and it's meant to be escapism but this this one was really dark and Mm -hmm. i really appreciated them really going for that because like Mm -hmm. they can kind of take risks with these storylines that are these kind of anthologies happening in other universes so i thought it was it was really really well done well i have one question for y'all what if zombies (laughs) zombies
1: i just now, i just love the one word that it's like zombies <laughs> exactly. yeah because whatever you're it
2: never fails you go to a walking dead event or you go to a horror event and you work with so many people that have done zombie movies there's always one dumbass that stands up and goes What would you do if there were real zombies? (laughs) And Tom Savini has the best answer. Tom Savini goes, well, there's no way in hell there would ever be real zombies, so I'm not even going to answer that question. He's just stopped (laughs) answering those questions. And so when I saw this episode, I was like, oh, fuck. It's going to be something stupid. (laughs) But it wasn't. It was actually pretty entertaining how they did it. (laughs) uh with it coming through the quantum the quantum level it was very fascinating
1: so we all agree that quantum is just another word for magic but we don't have to explain it this time yes yes (laughs) (laughs) yes it's it's just it's science magic it's like quantum physics
2: that's all you gotta say quantum, phys- like you
0: how you do quantum physics. You can't just keep putting quantum in front of every word.
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> how did zombies come quantum?
1: That's one of the reasons why I appreciate that the upcoming uh, anime movie is quantum media. It's like, okay, that now tells us two things. One, it's going to be weird, and two, they ain't going to explain shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: quantum. It's, you
2: know it's, uh, it's how... It's
1: small, it's weird.
0: Yeah. Shut up. You can't you, you don't know. You don't know.
2: It's like the family guy where Lois is always like nine eleven. All you got to do is say quantum physics, quantum, the quantum realm. Don't make me use the Q word.
0: <laughs> what I really liked about this episode was how they really did follow the tropes and formulas of a zombie yes. movie. Within mm-hmm. the MCU. The spreading, yeah. Including even the ending of it. Uh the fact that like every zombie movie always ends on this hopeful yet oh shit no like it's it's, yes, it's always just things like like it never has like a tidy ending it's always like the, the heroes are always like going off on a helicopter it's like oh maybe there is hope for humanity but then they cut to something else it's like oh wait maybe there's not hope and then that's the yeah. end of the that's always that's the way yeah. uh, tw- 28 weeks later it's like they're oh we might have to cure here they're flying off and they cause kind of, like 28 months later and like paris is overrun with zombies like okay i guess that didn't work you know (laughs) it's like exactly what it's like well maybe there could be hope and then you see zombie thanos with the the gauntlet it's like it's yeah no it's like it's (laughs) such a zombie movie trope it really is It, it just yeah zombie thanos but it really did like this this really was just a zombie movie it was but with the characters from the MCU.
1: Oh yeah, it was
2: a half-hour
0: zombie movie, and I fucking
2: enjoyed <laughs> yeah. it. I was, I like, did <laughs> okay, too. This is yeah,
0: awesome. I thought this one was really fun.
1: Yeah, oh yeah. I'm not big on zombies, but it was. It has it, it fun moments. Yeah, really, really enjoyed everyone realizing it's like, oh yeah, no, uh, zombie, zombie Wanda is totally terrifying as this kind of yes. weird eldritch uh, monster that is completely overpowering. Um, yes. Scott's, uh, head and jar was fantastic. It's like, oh, that right, was so, so- <laughs> good.
0: Yes. It was very Futurama with the, the head music it characters. <laughs> yeah. Despite the lack of Tom Holland, I really liked how much Spider-Man shined in mm. this episode. Yeah. spider mans my favorite superhero, and I, I, I'm, I'm very sensitive to when that character is being written well or not. They, they wrote the character really well here. Yeah. And I agree. This is the first time that MCU Spider-Man has mentioned Uncle Ben, by the way, is in this episode.
1: He does yeah. actually mention
0: Uncle Ben, but I thought that was interesting. Has explicitly mentioned Uncle Ben.
1: But, yeah, I do also want to say that I really appreciate um, how much uh, Kurt played a large role in this episode for some reason. Uh, David Desmalchian <laughs> I fucking love. He's so good. <laughs> that was just fun as hell. I was like, all right, so I guess David Desmalchian is here. That's the team up I was not expecting, but
2: yeah. Well, I enjoyed Zombie Steve. I would have enjoyed uh, hooking up him up to a cart, putting a meat slab in front of him on a fishing pole, and just you know.
0: <laughs> I liked the conversation between him and Bucky. I mm-hmm. thought was was yes. you, you know that 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 bucky is conflicted about fighting him but at the end of the day it all it almost becomes a mercy you know of, of like he, mm-hmm. he, yeah. he kind of releasing his his friend from being a zombie for all eternity so
2: I didn't mention this in Captain Carter but I'll mention it here because of that confrontation mm-hmm. I would like to go on record as saying why couldn't we just have them to be a couple instead of him and Peggy Carter being a couple now, I understand that there are some best friends where you, that you just don't mm-hmm. sleep together. I understand that. But the way he goes out of his way in Civil War and everywhere else, and I'm talking about Steve, the way he mm-hmm. goes out of his way to protect Bucky, that ain't friendship. I believe in brotherhood, and I'll do things to, to protect my brother But that ain't friendship. What he does for Bucky is not about friendship. I'm just saying
1: it. There's a couple of things about this. That the Captain Carter episode actually had me agreeing with that for some unexpected reasons. Which is that, for some reason, uh, Steve and Peggy in that episode recreated several beats uh, from the original movie, Captain America the First Avenger. Though originally Steve and Bucky. Except this time it's like explicitly made clear that it's romantic and I'm like... These are the same beats, so they're actually pretty much the yes. same manner as Steve Bucky did yes. that. Are you telling me that they had a kind of romantic thing going on in the first movie and that Marvel was too cowardly to make that up? I'm offense? sorry, but Steve <laughs> and Bucky
2: are lovers. <laughs> lovers. L-O-V-A-H. Lovers.
0: I want to continue this conversation when we start reviewing the Captain America movies because it is Mm -hmm. i do think it's an interesting thing and i know that you're not the first person troy to to make make those comments (laughs) i have somewhat different thoughts than you do but well i want to come back to that at the same time
1: all right
2: no i know i know sometimes there are just great relationships Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. they are just the best of friends they are just the best Mm -hmm. of friends and i and i understand i don't see gay everywhere really i do but (laughs) I I do limit myself. I see things and I'm like, they should be a couple, but I'm not going to get that. (laughs) There are a couple of relationships that should have been boyfriend. Like, you know, when Poe gave Finn his his coat. When he was like, here you go, boyfriend. Everyone and, like, and their
1: okay. mother, especially the two actors, yes! wanted that relationship to happen. They explicitly yes! said they were kind of playing it that way anyway. They and I'm did. Like, Look, everyone except the writers of Rise of Skywalker knew that that relationship was a It thing. was like, fucking bullshit. Queer baiting to the end.
0: I keep seeing this video pop up where uh, when Poe hands fed the jacket and he says like, Oh no, keep it. It looks better on you anyway. And you like slow it down frame by frame. And he like does this little bite, biting his lower lip and like yes! looks down at him. And, yes! and like somebody ended it with like uh doing the, the song from the end of Ferris Muir is, like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's so perfect the way it happens.
2: There are just a couple of relationships where I'm like, okay, they're not best friends. There's a little attraction there. Bucky and Steve are
0: one. Yeah, we'll come back to that. But what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? I'm just gonna throw that one out there. (laughs) What do we think of this one?
1: I I really enjoyed seeing more of Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger. I really liked the confrontation between uh, Killmonger and uh, T'Challa in the spirit realm. One thing about this that was interesting is that in the original in in the movie, when Killmonger visited the spirit realm, there what he saw was his apartment. That he was mm. still stuck in that apartment in Cleveland, and God, or not not Cleveland, but um Oakland, Oakland, yeah. And that that scene was amazing. Um, and I like here that this is a version of Killmonger that is... He's still being incredibly deceptive and lying and manipulating for his own goals. But he is also embracing his heritage more. And it's not... One thing I liked is that it's... St- it's that they kept you guessing the whole way through what his end goal was, what he really wanted. Did he want to get revenge against uh his uncle for his father? Did he was he trying to take over Wakanda to ruin it, or was he trying to reclaim his place? And that's what I really liked about this one. Um it was also interesting seeing a Tony who didn't learn Jack shit because yeah. he didn't suffer. He never met Yensia. Yeah. And so he was still every bit the petulant, cruel person that he was growing up to be. Um, who just, yeah, didn't care about any of that. I did also like the fun moment where they have uh, Killmonger showing his design for the drone and it's like... Oh what, that's just like a straight up gun of it's like, what? I like anime. And that's a fun thing because like apparently Michael B. Jordan really does like anime and he even has his own um he's one of the producers on this mega show uh, Genlock. Um, which is actually really fun. But so yeah, this it's a fun one. It's not the most affecting one for me, but I I thought it was solid. And again, I just enjoy spending time with this character.
2: Yeah, seeing a different side of Killmonger well, maybe not a different side of him, but seeing this character in a different situation was was fascinating. Seeing a, an evil Tony Stark, and that's what I took of it, as an evil Tony Stark, and I love that they called out Obadiah, I love that they brought in the Ten Rings. I love what they did with this episode, and I thought it was fascinating. The one thing that sticks with me is I felt like there was some outskirts that they got the inspiration from this on how... Uh, the Tusca, Oklahoma uh, fires and bombings went. You remember those in history. How America wanted to go and uh, kind of wipe out Wakanda in the end. I find it fascinating.
1: Kind of surprised they got away with that. It's like, yeah, no, America's is explicitly doing something shitty here. Yes. And this is also explicitly called out something America yes. does all the time.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I like that. It was for a comic book show. It was realistic and scary. They took in politics. They took in race. And and race does play a role in this. It really does. I thought that it was really well done. It's another one that sticks with you.
0: Well, and that's what Killmonger is, is all about. And, and I yes. mean, Black Panther is probably the most political movie that Marvel has made. And Killmonger is, is very much all about that. Like, like being a black man is a very yep. essential part of his, his identity. Mm-hmm. And and you, like he has a mission, which is very much tied into that. I feel like you can't do a story about Killmonger without getting into mm-hmm. that and without addressing, addressing that. that. I feel like, agree. Yeah. I thought this was a good, episode i i i largely agree with zach this wasn't one of the standouts for me but i thought it was a very good episode and i really like seeing yeah i I agree with you Troy. not exactly a different side of killmonger but seeing more of the the machinations and yes more Mm -hmm. more of his plans kind of unfolding than we actually got to really see in black panther we got to see kind of the end of of where his his plans Mm -hmm. led him but i like to see that we 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 got to see how he he plays the long game he has these plans Mm -hmm. that unfold over years Years and years, and I thought Mm -hmm. that that was really interesting. And and then getting Michael B. Jordan back to play that character, I thought was great. Yes, on the subject, I'm gonna say this. And Mick Wingard is the actor who plays Tony Stark on this show. I'm Mm. not gonna like say shit about different actors because, like, he went in, he was hired because he sounds like Robert Downey Jr. I feel like it's a really good vocal impression of. Robert Downey Jr. without much of the actual personality. I'm just, I'm just yeah. gonna be honest. I just feel like he's just trying too hard to just channel another actor rather than take the character and interpret it in his own way. There's other like replacement actors on the show. Um, Lake Bell plays Black Widow. I think she mm-hmm. does a good job. Of she does sound a bit like Scarlett Johansson, but she she plays Scarlett Johansson or she plays Bl- Natasha Romanoff in her own way and I feel like I I would rather see that than somebody just try and emulate another actor and I that's how I feel about this actor for for Tony Stark but Mm -hmm. again I I I I hate like bashing him because he did like he did what he was probably hired to do which is to sound like Robert Downey Jr like because he does but that I did actually kind of have that problem with Tony I'm mentioning it in this episode because this is the one where Tony has, has the most appearances he's in a couple of other episodes but this is the one where he has the most uh, screen time i feel of course it's also become kind of a recurring joke that i've been seeing it's like every single multiverse of the marvel multiverse tony stark always ends up dead like in yep. the main <laughs> continuity he does and the uh the the third episode he does and this episode he does in the zombie episode he does it's like he always fucking dies but <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> yep Except for the and this is this is more of a discussion for what the you know the watcher broke his oath. I do find it weird that there's like something, there's that one version of Tony Stark and I'm like, "Okay, did we miss an episode or something?" because I don't gonna remember this. We're going to come back to that all. because there
0: there's actually <laughs> there's actually like a reason for that weirdness. Mm-hmm. That's 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 mm-hmm. a production reason. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll we'll come back to that. But I do have another question, which is what if Thor were an only child? Guys, what if party Thor
1: why not? This is clearly misnamed. It is clearly, what if Odin was not such a terrible father? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, should I kidnap this baby? What? No, that's psychopathic <laughs> <shit>?
2: <laughs> I like that it showed that Loki was a huge part of Thor's personality. That they depend on each other. They showed that with, with the other episode, What If the Mightiest... I think they did a good job of showing how one would have suffered without the other. We saw how Loki would have been Mm -hmm. had he lost his brother. And we see how Thor is had he not had his brother to lose him those eight times that Loki supposedly died. (laughs) But I love that Thor was just... Like this frat boy <laughs> 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 that You're you really
1: absolutely right. hate. Yeah. yeah, it's like okay, so we're gonna have the entire cosmic universe uh, invade Earth, just a party. Not yeah, yes. only real fight going on is literally trying to break up. This is a cosmic level uh, frat movie. This is Animal yes. House on on grand scale. In that it is literally, it's like all right, so we have managed a party while dads asleep. It's like,
2: oh no, mom's coming. Oh my god, everybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I loved it. It was so fun. It
0: was it was the oh, most yeah. <laughs> it was this was definitely the most comedic episode yes. of, of mm-hmm. the of the anthology. And I, I thought that this I thought it was so funny. I really did. Oh, yeah. I thought uh Thor and Jane Foster had better chemistry in this episode than they did in the movies. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah. Also love the implied five with Thor, Jane Foster, Rocket, a few other people. Yeah, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> so it got weird. Uh, Howard the Duck married uh, Darcy, which is great. Yeah, hey! so Darcy was so good.
0: I love Darcy in this episode. She was yes. so great. She was. She was amazing. Yeah, yeah that's pretty much my overall review. I just thought this episode was funny. It was. It, it was, was just. Hu- as it, as it was just so humorous, and yeah, I thought that these episodes were kind of perfectly ordered. Yeah, like having probably the most comedic episode right before. Really the two-part climax of the show I thought was really smart, you know. Mm. And also, yeah, and having the Doctor Strange episode be kind of in the middle, you know, because you don't want to start mm. or end with the most depressing one. Yeah. But yeah, I I, I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was really funny and, and really entertaining.
1: But what if Ultron won, guys? This one. The one thing I find weird about it is the idea that after he got all the infinity gauntlets, he didn't just like, alright, I'm just gonna blow up Earth on the way out. He just just, I guess, was like all right, I guess Earth's dead, so... Uh, all right, I'll just move on everywhere else without double-checking. That's Ultron's greatest weakness, is he did not double-tap. It was
0: just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ultron... Okay, here's my thing. Ultron in the MCU... And I, I know some people have had issues mm. with, with Ultron in the MCU. I love Ultron in the MCU. I love the way they, mm. the character is written. Yes. For being a robot... And I know this mm. is why people people have a preconceived notion on what a robot bad guy should mm. be. But for being a robot... He's a really unstable, extremely irrational guy. And that's what I love about him. I, I love the yeah. idea of this, this AI that was just born and is just unhinged and confused and really emotional. That's the thing. Ultron mm-hmm. is incredibly emotional. And that's, I think, one of the most interesting interesting things about him. That it's not just, oh, mm-hmm. like my calculations say that the, <laughs> the worlds must be destroyed in order to have peace. Yeah. It's like, no, it's like he, he was born with this message in his mind and the only way he could reconcile that message was to wipe out all of humanity but he's yeah. he's really just he's not a stable dude he's not he's
1: nope. yeah and no
0: i think this episode did a good job of portraying that i will say and i know a lot of people will, will disagree mm-hmm. with me on this but i kind of miss the stupid joss whedon quips I honestly did. Like, yes, that was also me one, too. That was that was bit, one thing yeah. I actually really liked about Ultron uh, in, in Age of Ultron. I, but, I, you I know. will
1: say I do wish there was a little more of that. Um, yeah. The two things I love about this version of Ultron is that, kind of like the original movies, he still he still doesn't realize how much of Tony is in him. Yes. Um, like as soon as he gets the Infinity Gauntlets, he's already in his perfect, invulnerable body, and he still can't help but make a suit of armor for himself, his own Ultron. Yes suit and i do also like how there there is one kind of old old classic old ultron quip which is when he's fighting the Watcher which was a really fun fight but i love though it's like oh man you're finally down here interacting with the world instead of just watching which is really that was really creepy, by the way. That was yeah. What the hell were we you yeah. doing? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a good. That was a good quip. Yeah.
0: Ross Marquand was the voice of Ultron, who is also like he nah, plays nah, Aaron really. on The Walking Dead, and he played. Yeah. He he took over for Red Skull uh, in the yeah. MCU. I think he's a better Red Skull than he is at Ultron, but he was still a I good Ultron. Agree. Uh, yeah, he was a pretty good that. Ultron. I did, I miss James Spader, but like, I yeah. know he was only yeah. in one movie and I, I, I imagine mm-hmm. that he, he probably, he probably was just kind of a one and done type thing.
2: I don't think, uh, Ross nailed Ultron. Yeah. I think, mm-hmm. I think he tried. It's really not a point of sounding like James Spader. I was upset about mm-hmm. that. I love James Spader. He's one of my favorite actors mm-hmm. of all time, but I have to say, I don't think he nailed Ultron. I think he did an okay job, but it it felt like something was missing in in Ultron.
0: I felt that too. Mm,
1: I yeah. honestly did. It's as you said that Ultron. This version of Ultron, the way he was written was fine, but he sounded whenever Ross Marquand was talking like he was. It's exactly what you said. He's not supposed to be calculating like yeah. he's very smart and he has plans but he's not really calculating he's mixing he's up his plans on the fly all the time he's yes. emotional he's unstable mm-hmm. he didn't sound that unstable that's i yeah. think what i'm missing is that there's not a lot of him breaking and mix and getting caught up in his own words yes. which happened a lot to ultron in the original movies that he would start a sentence and then go in a different direction because he didn't know how to finish that thought because he's unstable and insane. He's a very yeah. much an actual person.
2: Ultron is a child that has been given the answers to everything that lacks mm. the wisdom to contemplate those answers that he's been given. Which is why mm. Ultron comes to the decision, Oh, well, I'll just kill everybody on the planet. That makes sense. It's because there's a naivete to Ultron. And, and that's why I love this character so much. Is because... Even though he, is, he wants to be this mass murderer that brings about this mass extinction, he's innocent. And I know that sounds weird, but there is an innocence mm. to his manner. And he's off on those emotions because he is a child. And that's what it comes down to. He is a child yes. with all of the answers that you could ever think of. But if you're given all of those answers, you're not going to know how to really process them. So the emotions kind of drive him forward, and I think Ross kind of kind of missed
0: that. Yeah, I agree. This this is okay. A little mini preview mm-hmm. for our uh, future nerd shit mm-hmm. on Avengers: Age of Ultron, and I won't elaborate on this yet. But I've always felt, even before all the shit about Joss Whedon came out, that Ultron in that film was Joss Whedon's commentary on himself. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have always felt that, and I'll, it I'll get it. I'll, I, I'm just gonna give you that little tease, and I'm when, when we review that, okay, uh, that movie, we gotta I'll review get in this. July, but... I gotta <laughs> hear this. I'm excited. I enjoyed this episode. I really love the moment where the fourth wall gets broken and the yes. water becomes a part of the story. I, yes. I I thought that was really that was really interesting and really unexpected. And also seeing kind of the the last freedom fighters of Black Widow and and Hawkeye mm-hmm. being the only survivors, yep. I thought was I thought. Those two, Mm. as these kind of post-apocalyptic, you know, wasteland scavengers, I thought was really interesting. So, yeah, Mm. I I thought this was a really cool and interesting episode and a great lead into our finale. So, uh, let's get into the finale. What if the Watcher broke his oath? What do we think of this one?
1: I got mixed thoughts on it. I think that... The beginning was really fun, Um, you know, pulling together all the different heroes from from all the stories that he remembered. And I love that the Watcher brought pretty much every single episode in every single episode came into this somehow. Even the zombies as like, okay, so I'm not actually going to like recruit any zombies, but we'll use them. So I, li- I like how it all came back. I like how the Watcher was forced to like reevaluate his role and also like reevaluate his. You know, there is some value in changing things. But overall, I thought the fight between Ultron and the team was good. My thing on it is that in the last episode, he literally turned galaxy-sized and ate a galaxy uh, for the heck of it. And even if they do have this invincible spell, there's no indication of why that's not something he can just do again. Like, that always that always frustrates me whenever you have uh, villains with incredible cosmic powers, is they pull out this one move that there's no reason they can't do that again, but for plot reasons, they don't do that again. And it's like, well, if they did that, then the good guys would never win. But I'm like, okay, then don't show them doing that, or give them a reason why they can't do that. But I appreciate the moment where he's like, Oh, what? All I have to do is beat Doctor Strange and then I can kill all the rest of these guys. It's like, yeah, no, that's true. Like, the, objectively, he is the most powerful member of the team. And also, the rest of the team would have literally already died if he hadn't done anything. And frankly, he's actually the only person you're really fighting here. But overall, I thought it was fun. Um, I do like the, the very subtle implication at the very end that this version of Doctor Strange might not... Maybe he is actually going to look after the infinite stalemate. Maybe he's not. Um, His delivery was fun and ambiguous with that.
0: I actually didn't get that from that.
1: Yeah, I even liked how the world lost its mightiest heroes. That came back, because that was a... Mm-hmm. That was an alternate yep. world for this version yep. of Natasha to come back to. But, so yeah, it's it's fun. It's taking all the action figures that we were playing with throughout this entire series and matching them together.
2: Yes, making them matter.
1: Not my favorite, but yeah, I thought it was good. And again, Jeffrey Wright as the Watcher, as this version of the Watcher who's getting like more desperately invested in the story. I that that's one thing I
2: enjoyed. I think there's more to these last two episodes. I think there's more to this whole season than we see. I think that the Watcher is going to become important in the franchise itself. And I love what they did by tying everything together, by taking these stories that the Watcher has told us, these version of the stories, and the Watcher saying, okay, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this over here. We're going to build this team. And I love seeing Ultron become the villain that he should have been. One movie with Ultron was not enough and I've got to be honest, I I hoped that Ultron was going to pop up. I know that Vision killed that last one at the end, but I have always kept up, out hope that Ultron was going to pop up somewhere or another and say, I'm not dead. So I liked getting to see Ultron become the villain that he was meant to be. I liked seeing these other universes collide together. Without the idea of, oh no, we've collided universes, everything's gonna break. And I liked that they took the whole season and made it matter. Mm-hmm. The one thing I hated about this series before I watched it was I kept thinking, oh my god, it's just a bunch of fan fiction bullshit that I'm gonna have to stick with and watch. But no, everything had a purpose in the end. And that's what good writing does. That's how I feel about the about this episode closing off the season. I think that it was fucking genius
0: that's completely how I feel Troy. It really is mm-hmm. like i th- they took all the episodes that I thought were just gonna yeah. be these standalone anthology mm-hmm. things and they brought it all together. This was my favorite. This actually was my favorite of, of all of them. Like again, it was I, I said that it, it was between this and uh, Doctor Strange lost his heart and of his hands. Those are, those are the two that I thought were the best. But this was the one I had the most fun with because again, it's just what you said, Troy. They took everything and they made it matter. And it, it just it it was just so well done the way because like I really didn't think that there was going to be any continuity to this show at all. I thought it was just going to be standalone anthology yeah. stories. And I was so pleasantly surprised that, wow, we're bringing all of this together. It was so great. The only problem I have with this episode is that they didn't make the Gamora episode, which was supposed to be one of the episodes of this show. Yeah. That was supposed to be an episode of the show because of just because of covid related reasons they just weren't able to finish it and that's the reason why that part of it is so confusing Is like where did yeah. this version of tony come from like what's this mm-hmm. version of gamora like what's this you know the the, the mm-hmm. thing that you know was supposed to blow up the infinity stones or whatever like what does any of this come from that was supposed to be a whole other episode that was yeah. also going to be because this was supposed to be 10 mm-hmm. episodes and end up only being nine and i guess that was just the one that they didn't finish uh i was talking to philip the other day philip ray right, who's who's been a guest on this podcast I was talking to Philip the other day and he said that that he apparently uh the gamora episode is going to be a part of season two so it's gonna be I guess we'll go back and find out what that was all about <laughs> but you know that was the biggest thing uh I guess it's nobody's fault really like mm-hmm. the zombies thing didn't play into it as much as maybe I would have liked like I would have maybe liked if the, that version of spider-man was maybe one of the characters yeah. that was assembled I think would have Fun, but that's a nitpick. Listen, some of the logic of like, okay, of all of the versions of Thor out there in the multiverse, this is the one that you recruited to be on this team. <laughs> but you know what? I forgave it because it was fun. Like, it, it really was. Oh, yeah. Like, I was, I was fine with it.
1: I just, I loved uh, Ultron's reaction to his party cry. It's like, Viva yes! Las Vegas! Yes. And Ultron's just like, I'm not even mad. I'm just slightly disappointed that this yeah. is going fighting. Yeah. That was, that was a good Ultron <laughs> moment,
0: too. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I really enjoyed the hell out of this. This episode it was so much fun it's 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 everything that I love about a movie like the Avengers of we see mm-hmm. all these standalone movies but then all the character we get to see all the characters come together that's exactly what this was this was this show's version of Avengers one and mm-hmm. I love the idea of the Guardians of the Multiverse I love the idea that when they get returned to their own time they still remember the experience because i was i was afraid that they were going to do the whole thing is like oh i'm going to return you to the exact moment and you're not going to remember any of this i hate when they do that yeah i hate that too i like the fact that they remember what happened And they're Mm -hmm. they're always going to have that experience of having been a part of that team. And if that team ever does get reformed, you know, we're going to get to. And I hope that Mm -hmm. in in future seasons, we do get to see that team reformed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I enjoyed the hell out of this episode. Uh, Did you guys see the uh, mid credit scene as
1: well? Mm, I should have, but I did not.
0: Did you see it, Troy? No. So it's after after Peggy is returned to her time. I think uh, uh, Natasha uh, on the Hydra-controlled boat they find the hydra buster is in storage and natasha tells peggy and somebody's inside it and that's how it ends so that seems to be an implication that skinny steve is so, somehow was preserved in the hydra armor all those all those decades
2: all right i'm i'm interested yeah well they killed steve off enough times during the whole season that made me feel a little better
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steve Rogers, by the way, who was not voiced by Chris Evans, but was voiced by Josh Keaton, who was a very prolific voice actor. So oh, yeah. it yes, fun to see. Yeah,
2: but he made it his own. He was good.
1: He did. Yeah, yeah. he was good. Yeah, he he wasn't he wasn't trying to imitate Chris Evans. No, which wasn't. I appreciate. It's like I did appreciate and that. It especially it especially worked for Skinny Steve really well. It's like yeah. Yeah. no, he's he's kind of a shifty guy. He has to work with his wits and his heart. Exactly. That's exactly it. Well, what are our overall thoughts on the show? Uh, Troy, I'll
0: go ahead and let you start. Overall thoughts and go ahead and give it a score from 1 out of 10. I think
2: that we are actually going to see a lot more happening from this show uh, as we continue on our multiverse adventure that they're giving us with these movies. I think that the show is going to be a lot more important than we thought it was going to be. I'm excited to see what comes from that. I'm excited for a season 2 I went into this grumpy umpy and I was thinking, oh my God, this is going to be fucking bullshit. But I was pleasantly surprised by each episode. The episodes did get better as they went along, but my favorite episode is Captain Carter. It just makes the little girl in me squeak. I can't help myself. I see I see Peggy Carter and I'm like, ee! but I see a Bowser version of Peggy Carter where she's this uh Amazon and I'm like, oh, I love her. So, I'm really happy with it. I was pleasantly surprised by them bringing it all together and the Watcher getting into it. Jeffrey Wright is just fucking phenomenal. I'd like to send a thank you to all of those actors that returned for the characters. But I'd also like to send a thank you, e- even though I had a complaint about Ultron's depiction. That's an actor talking about another actor's performance. So, take that with a grain of salt, you know. Because they had their own inner monologue as they were working through it. They got hired for it. I did not. My janky ass is over here just making horror films. So, you know, more power to Ross. But I stand by that he didn't bring in the naivete of Ultron. I think he did his best. I'm going to give the show uh, a 7 out out of 10. And that's because I think some of it could have been done better. The missing episode would have helped us understand a couple of things. But yeah, seven out
0: of ten. Ross Marquand is the nicest dude. I also just wanna yeah. like Ross, if you're if you're listening to this, you, like, yeah. <laughs> like he's amazing. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've I've gotten to work with him like a little like not in a major way, but like I've gotten to work on the same set as him. And he's he's such he's one of the nicest actors he like is. ever. He mm. really is. He's such he's a good pretty dude. Awesome yeah and i i'm so glad to Thank see good him for getting, him all for getting these opportunities. this role yeah oh hundred percent yeah he's such a good red skull yeah i think this is a really fun show even though like we we might have had different favorite episodes troy i think that i'm surprisingly in terms of my overall thoughts on the show i'm surprisingly in line with you like i also went into this thinking that this was just going to be you know just a pointless anthology it's like i'll watch it i'll probably be entertained by it but i'm not really the it, it, i just don't really care about it because it's just these little standalones stories and that's not as much what I'm interested in but it's the fact that they brought it all together at the end it made the whole show just so much more worth it for me and that's why I love that last episode so much is it just makes the whole show worth it to know that it was actually building towards something and I actually agree with you Troy I think that we're going to see more from this show than I would have originally thought, and this new phase of Mar- the MCU was all about the multiverse. We've so been talking about yes. it, and so having a multiverse-centric mm-hmm. show made a lot of sense. And I think that they cast Jeffrey Wright because now they can bring him into live action and still have him be Jeffrey Wright. Yes, I really, mm-hmm. I honestly think that that's the reason they cast him, and he's so good on this show. Not every episode was necessarily my favorite on an individual level, but because of the fact that it was all brought together at the end, I'm still going to give this overall an eight out of ten i thought that it was very strong as a whole
1: i kind of agree yeah i think this show is going to end up being i think concepts of it are going to come back hopefully i would love to see jeffrey wright as the live action watcher if nothing else i just I enjoy these kinds of anthologies. Um, I know that, you know, that was not something you were excited for. I was excited for the idea of an anthology series even in the beginning, and I love that it all came together for the finale. And I like the idea that we might, if we see this continue, might see more of The Watcher picking out finding worlds that don't just need watching but also need a little bit of help like maybe just a hint or two in the right direction and maybe even see him struggle with that maybe see him even see him maybe go too far at one point and try to dial it back yeah I'm interested in seeing where it goes overall I thought that a lot of the episodes were really fun some of them were deeply affecting especially uh, Doctor Strange losing his heart instead of his hands it wasn't perfect Uh, some of the vocal performances were off again no hate to ross marquand whatsoever i also think a little bit of that was writing yeah yeah and he did a good job it's just i agree it's not absolutely nailed so yeah overall i think i'm gonna have to give this uh yeah eight out of ten
0: all right zach where can the folks find you
1: they can find me on the instagram as the zamen T-H-E-S-Z-A-M-M-I-N. They can find me on Twitter as Zachariah 4 Zachariah C H 4 And on the Facebooks as Zachariah Schneider.
2: You can find me under most things under Troy Hensley. Uh Facebook, Instagram. You can find me on TikTok and Twitter under the Troy Hensley. If you go on by the time this comes uh, out, if you go over to Amazon Prime and look up horror anthology. I had to slow that down because, you know, I'm not saying whore what I am. I'm saying horror (laughs) anthology, demon chalice. You can watch my movie. Uh, I hope you have fun. I did it as a comedy to get that first feature length out and distributed so that that can take me to other steps. I made it a year ago and it is finally out please go over and laugh through my independent feature film. I had a lot of fun making it, and I hope you have a lot of fun watching
0: it. Oh, uh, yeah, shall take horror anthologies <laughs> for 400 <Alex>. hours. <laughs> <laughs> AKA your mother.
2: <laughs> Gotta love his Sean Connery.
0: Gotta so love God. it. God. Uh, <laughs> I'm Sam Wilson. You can follow me on Instagram at sc Wilson underscore actor. You can follow my band running riot at running riot band on Facebook and Instagram. We got a bunch of shows coming up. We're about to release a single. You're the one. You can follow nerd shit at the nerd shit podcast on Facebook and Instagram or at the nerd shit on. On Twitter, we release episodes weekly, including some bonus episodes. I know, Troy, you've been doing some horror bonus episodes for the month of October as well. So make sure you keep an eye out for those. You can follow, you can find Nerd Shit wherever you listen to your podcast Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can search for Nerd Shit, find a little poop emoji with glasses. Please send us feedback, send us a review, give us a star rating, send us a DM, let us know how we're, we're doing. What you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, what you'd like to see from the show, what we can improve on. And we definitely will take all of that to heart for sure before we shove your messages right into the shredder. Next week, we're reviewing Ghostbusters. We're going back to a classic Ghostbusters 1984 directed by Ivan Reitman in preparation for ghostbusters afterlife which is coming out and really just a few weeks at this point it's actually pretty close so we'll be we'll be reviewing the uh, ghostbusters film starting with the first one next week for zach schneider and troy hensley i'm sam wilson thank you for joining us for nerd shit nerd shit no 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 nerd shit say shitty nerds nerd shit nerd shit so strap on about the nerd